Welcome to episode number two of Sir Kevin Says. I hope you guys enjoyed episode one with Abraham Laborio Sr. The guest today, Tommy Walker, is one of my all-time favorite worship leaders in all the world. Tommy is a singer-songwriter, educator, and founder of Breakthrough Christian Academy in Manila, Philippines. He has served as a worship leader for Christian Assembly for over 25 years, a church in Eagle Rock, California. Tommy has written over 200 songs that are currently tracked by CCLI and are sung in churches around the world. His most popular songs include He Knows My Name, That's Why We Praise Him, Only a God Like You, Morning to Dancing, I Have a Hope, and We Will Remember. Tommy has recorded music albums and singles for Maranatha Music, Integrity Music, and is a writer for Lifeway Songs. He has had the privilege of leading worship with such Christian leaders as Franklin Graham, Rick Warren, Jack Hayford, Bill Hibbles, and Greg Laurie. Tommy has held worship conferences and Mercy ministry outreaches in more than 20 different nations. Today, we sit down and we talk about everything from thought process behind writing a song, how important it is to finish a song, dealing with tough personalities within a worship team, his favorite moments in worship, and his least favorite moments in worship. I hope you guys enjoy it. Check it out. Let me know what you think. If you're listening via Spotify, I invite you to follow Sir Kevin Says. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can show your support by subscribing and rating the show five stars. Alternatively, you can watch the video version of this and every other episode on my YouTube channel, Kevin Michael Chong, or visit my website, www.sirkevinchong.com and view or listen to them that way. Without further ado, episode number two coming your way. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode two of Sir Kevin Says. I'm sitting down here with Tommy Walker. How's it going, Tommy? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be number two. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was actually with uh, Abraham uh, this past week. Yeah, so. I'm happy to follow that man yeah. any day, anywhere. <laughs> so, Tommy, uh, what's what's going on, man? What's what's new in your life? What's you know? What are you working on these days? Uh, got a lot going on. I'm I'm still leading worship. At Christian Assembly, more mm-hmm. part time, but I also started a nonprofit, and uh, we're putting up lo- basically lots of worship v- song videos and making charts and resources, and actually giving it all away for free. Wow! And um, just trying to, as a writer, just trying to keep going, keep finding outlets f- for it, and yeah, yeah, having a lot of fun serving God. You recently uh, put out um, an album of the Book of John, right? That That's is, right. you put on uh, the U version mm-hmm. uh, Bible app. Tell us a little bit about that. How, how did that come to be? How did you come up with that idea? Yeah, the U version Bible app is the biggest Bible app in the world. They have like something like three hundred and thirty-four million subscribers oh all over gosh. the world, and like a thousand languages and translations. Who knew there was even a thousand languages in the world? <laughs> It's really awesome what they're doing. And within there, and you should check it out, there's all these different kind of Bible reading plans with devotionals and stuff to help people understand and read the Bible. And so I had the idea of doing a Bible reading plan where you wouldn't only read through the Gospel of John, but you would hear songs written from 
passages in each chapter. So I wrote 21 songs with the 21 wow. chapters. That's cool. So you can not only read through the Gospel of John, which is such a great book, by the way, if you're investigating Jesus or Christian faith, the Gospel of John is such a great place to start. And um, so you can read it and kind of experience it all at the same time. It's called The Book of John in Song. It took me like two years to do it. And as a matter of fact, uh, in November, this November, we're going to release, there's going to be video version of the whole thing. So you can read the devotional in the chapter and see us you know performing it on video wow that's awesome yeah i remember when you you mentioned it to me and and yeah. you you had been i think you were recording at uh cornell right you did some songs there or mm. some some yeah right some drums and stuff there. Yeah, yeah that's cool that's cool so tommy uh tell us a little bit about your upbringing like where you were born uh do you come from a musical family or yeah i was born and raised in el paso texas all right before i was born my parents were missionaries in mexico and uh, so then they wanted to live on the border there, and um, I'm the youngest of six. And when I was 11 years old, I looked around, I realized everybody in my family played guitar except for me. <laughs> so I picked it up. And, and honestly, the day I picked the guitar up, I've never set it down my whole life. Wow. It was like, oh, this is my life. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So it's amazing to think, I mean, you've been playing drums your whole life, but <laughs> like how it's like, after you get to be my age, it's like it's like my right arm. It's like a, such a part of you, yeah. such a blessing. You know, it's such a blessing the the gift of music and instruments and the gifting God gives us to play. It's really a privilege and a joy. So, yeah, and I was brought up in a Christian home, but made my own decision for faith later. And and when I started playing guitar when I was eleven, is is when I started writing songs. I thought when you play guitar, you write songs. I thought that's what everyone did. I thought that was like part of the plan. Yeah. I didn't really realize till later. Not some people just play guitar, but and really, I would I would like to write so I could write fun, cool songs to play guitar solos over. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. But yeah, all that. And then I there was a moment in time where I really felt like God was calling me to use this gift for for Him, and just been going at it ever since. Wow. So how um, how long did it take for you to to master uh, being able to sing and play at the same time? Uh, how yeah, long did that take? Yeah, I think it must be kind of like learning a language when you're a baby or something. Like I just always did it. So okay, right. So the the minute I started strumming an E chord, I was like I said, I was writing songs, so I was singing right then. There's been you know, different types of strums and grooves that I've had to practice to be able to play and sing at the same time. But basically, it's like strumming. It's like hard to teach somebody how to strum a guitar. You just have to kind of feel it and do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just something, yeah, I've just always, always done. You know. Nice. And who were some of your uh, influences growing up? Yeah. Well, my my guitar hero mostly throughout my life was Larry Carlton. Because when I first discovered him, I, you know, I was into playing rock and roll and distorted guitar sounds and all that. Mm. And then here was this guy that had those kind of sounds on his guitar, but he was playing all these notes I'd never heard before because it was beyond just blues scales because he was a jazz player. And I was like, and I just always, I don't know why I was always drawn to 
gospel music and just more in jazz and R&B and more changes in the music. I, I mean, I don't know why. I was just brought up in a super white <laughs> family. And yeah, yeah I, I'm... Uh, my my roots are white gospel. How's that? You know? <laughs> but um, so when I heard th- that kind of thing, I was just like, I've got to learn that. So I started studying jazz and taking private lessons and stuff. Nice, nice. And when was your uh, your first big gig when you realized, okay, this is I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Like, when was that moment? <laughs> well, actually, as the story goes, so right after I started playing guitar, like within that same year, this this pioneering Christian rock band came through my town. They were called Love Song. And after they they did this concert, I don't know why, but they all came to my house and my mom made desserts and stuff and they were all hanging out. And they were traveling the world and and Chuck Gerard, the lead singer, piano player, sat at my mom's baby grand piano and started singing some songs. And, and I was 11 years old and I just saw these guys and I saw what they were doing. I was like, that's it. That's yeah. what I'm going to do with rest of my life and it's not very a lot of people that have the blessing of like knowing for sure this is where i'm headed yeah yeah but i had that and just gone after it ever since yeah wow wow now as far as um as far as uh family's concerned um where does that rank as a priority to you because you know you've been you've been which is an amazing feature um of, of tommy uh walker guys that you know um it's really unheard of, at least from my perspective, that worship leaders stay at one church for so long. I don't know any other worship leader that has been at one church 25 years at Christian Assembly. You know, um, keeping God first, keeping your family uh, second, and then the church third, is that how you normally have, have functioned in your life when it comes to prioritizing different aspects of these things? Yeah, pretty yeah. much not perfectly. But, um, but for me, it's a... It's an interesting story because when I started dreaming of of all the things I dreamed of as being like an artist and playing around the world and all those kind of things, <clears throat> it didn't happen through finding an agent or being discovered or mm-hmm. some sort of music industry story. Is that really the truth? Is I was right. I moved to L.A. to go to Musicians Institute. Am I okay? Am I and. Um, <clears throat> And I was there, and I was writing songs, and I was passing out demos because I was from Texas, so now I was in L.A. So <laughs> I, I knew a, a friend who knew a friend of a friend who was a record producer, and I would give him my cassette, cassettes back then, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, just being rejected left and yeah, right. And yeah. anyways, uh, I I showed up. I found this church that a drummer friend at MI said, there's this church where Justo Almario, amazing uh jazz latin jazz saxophone player he plays on the worship team there you should check it out so i came to christian assembly decided to make it my church i went up to the pastor i said you don't know me but i'm here to serve whatever you want whatever you need because i remember my mom telling me don't wait for some certain perfect situation before you serve god and give give your gifts away yeah give it now so i just said i'm willing to serve whatever you want i started playing guitar on the worship team eventually started leading worship and then there was a big day where my pastor mark pickerel said tommy why don't you write songs for christian assembly you know and i thought yeah nobody else wants my songs all right <laughs> i'll start writing worship songs for my church as opposed to kind of more artist oriented songs 
And so through me serving my church, then all of a sudden these different record companies started recording my songs. Mm. And then from there, asking me to do my own records, and then from there, asking me to do concerts and all these things I've wow. gotten to do. And, but it all came from serving at a local church. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if that's the answer to your question. No, that's that is, my story. That's you know? great. That's great. Uh, you've written uh, in your bio, you, you, it's mentioned that you've written over 200 songs that are in CCLI. Some mm-hmm. of them noted are, you know, He Knows My Name, I'm Morning Into Dancing. Did you know that these songs would have the success that they did, you know, um, around the world? Yeah, that's a funny question because whenever you write a song, you never know if it'll do anything. <laughs> you don't even know if it's any good. <laughs> I mean, and, to you it's good. And, to you it's uh, good, but... <laughs> you, but meaning you just don't know how how it'll be accepted or whatever. Right, and, right. And so songwriting is, is it's kind of a discipline. Really, it's a discipline. Right. And it's like I, uh, I heard somebody say today, you want to be a writer? Write. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't talk about it. Yeah. Don't think about it. Right. Start going. And uh, I always say the biggest enemy of songwriters is unfinished songs. Like people, oh, I got this idea, but they never finish. You got you to have the discipline mm-hmm. to start and finish. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I had no idea. And I've, I've written songs that I think that are great that have gone nowhere. And then simple songs like He Knows My Name and, I don't know, by God's sovereignty, just took it everywhere. And yeah, all I'm over the world. Super grateful for it. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I'll just say, I shouldn't say it, but I'll say it today because it happened today. I was having my morning devotions in the Version Bible app on this, uh, it was called Daily Bread, was the, uh, the certain devotional that, I, that I'm going through. It's like a 15 day devotional. So I'm reading today. And the name of the devotional today is called He Knows My Name. And it's this story. I'm completely unattached to my daily bread or any of these people or whatever. And the story today is how God actually knows us personally. And it says in there, and there's this guy, Tommy Walker, that wrote this song, He Knows My Name. That's great. And um, so when I was writing, this is another thing about songwriters, is you're always like, you're moving on to the next thing, like, great, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to write and it's going to be great? You always want something else great to happen. Yeah. And it can be hard to, even with yourself, some of the amazing things God has allowed you to do in your career, in your ministry. But we're, it's, we, don't, we don't want to look back. We want to like, yeah, but I'm going to do this and right. I'm going to write that and everything. And God was reminding me, you know, you need to remember and be grateful for the things I've done through you in the That's past. Good. So That's good. So I was like, okay, and I just paused and I thought, you know, who knows? Somebody in the world probably is being touched by the thought that God knows their name right now because of a yeah. song I wrote. Thank you, Lord, yeah. for that. That's good. That happened today. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great story. I, I um I'd like to know this, you know, being that you've Worked with so many amazing musicians, you know, Abraham Laborio, Justo Almario. Kevin Jones. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not there yet. I'm not Sir there yet. <laughs> How do you handle tough personalities, like be it a singer or a musician? How do you handle the personalities when they're on your worship team or yeah. uh, if you've ever dealt with that? What do you do in those situations? Fire them. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I will say... This is really great advice for in, in any area, but 
when somebody hires you, like if I hire you to play, like you're going to play with me in a gig in November. And when we're there, if you're, I don't care how great you're playing. If the whole time you're there, you're kind of like, man, I wish I wasn't here. Mm. This is a bummer. Mm. I, I hate this. As the as the leader, as the guy that hired you, I'm just like, I don't want to be with somebody that wishes they weren't here. And so wow. when, when you're hired, even if you're hating it, be like, man, I'm so grateful to have this job. And then if you don't want to take that job again, don't take it. But yeah. the the leader just hates this vibiness of of a person wishes they weren't there. And that can go for any career, any job, anywhere. If you want your you want to get a raise or if you want the boss to be mm -hmm. pleased, whatever, the last thing you want to do is make him feel like I hate being here with you, <laughs> you know. But as far as tough personalities, I, I would have to say this isn't amazing. This is funny how this is working out. This really is. This is not I'm not lying. So that was my devotions this morning. I came here to work. And on my agenda today was a meeting with somebody from my church who, who needed to talk through something, an offense they had with me, <laughs> and, and, um, which is always hard. Confrontation is always hard. Right. But we, we talked it through, and we worked it out. And, and people, people want to, a lot of times we just hold things in. And, and the Bible says to speak the truth in love. So you've got to bring it up. And you got to talk it through, but you got to bring it in love, and you've got to forgive. And so now that we went through this uncomfortable exercise of confrontation and get it there, now everything's good and everything's wonderful mm -hmm. again. And so you have to address things, especially if somebody's on your worship team or in your band and they're just bogging the whole thing down. Yeah. You can't ignore it. You got to go for it, but you got to assume the best in them and forgive. But yeah, bring it up. That's good. That's good. So it's just, funny how these things happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not lying. This happened today. No, you're telling both the truth. It's all both of these things happened today. So you picked a good day to interview me. Okay. So what about uh, what do you think makes uh, a great worship leader? <laughs> if that's another thing that happened today, Tommy. I mean, <laughs> the spirit of God just. <laughs> well. <laughs> I actually haven't led worship today. But, um, well, the first thing you have to ask, and it's a very good question, is I find that no one ever asks the question, what does great worship look like? Mm. Like, I feel like there's a lot of churches that, that haven't really decided what great worship is. And to me, I believe it's life-transforming, God-glorifying when when a believer expresses inwardly and outwardly their worship to God. Mm. You know, the Bible speaks of bowing and clapping and shouting and singing and all these things to express your love for God, to declare his greatness and all that yeah. in the earth. So I believe a worship leader's job is to call that out of people. So I believe a great worship leader is leading their church into expressing yeah. inwardly and outwardly worship to God. Yeah. But there's a lot of churches that think it's not really a value. They think it's fine for the worship leader to stand up there and sing all the songs and everyone else is just sitting there. Right, right. And and it's okay. It's not it's not like it's wrong. Yeah. But for me a great worship leader leads 
the people into them expressing mm. worship to God and engaging and connecting with God and giving glory to God with their lives, not just watching the worship leader do it. Yeah. You know, I can I can speak uh, firsthand. Uh, every time I've seen you lead worship, no matter where it is, um, especially if it's a new song or something that you're introducing to the congregation, you always take the time to sing the chorus or su- the hook, whatever it is of that song and teach the, the congregation. And then they mm-hmm. participate and you tell them, when we get to that section, yeah. it's your guys' turn. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's really cool. Well, and one thing I love about being a worship leader is like, I don't really want to go do a concert and everyone just watched me and give gives me a thumbs up or thumbs down. It's like, well, he was a seven or he was a six today. You know, it's like, I don't really have any interest in that. I want, I want them to leave thinking how awesome it was that they got to express their worship to God as they were being reminded of the greatness of God. Yeah. Tommy, you've been all over the world. This is noted. I, you know, I know this about you've traveled to, I think 20 different nations in the world. And this might be a, a, a hard question to answer because may, maybe you've had so many great moments, but what has been your favorite moment in worship and what has been your least favorite moment <laughs> oh, in worship? There's no way I'll answer that <laughs> completely correctly unless I thought about it a long time. But um, I... I I can just think of some moving moments. Uh, for some reason, this this is coming to me now. This was like the late '90s, I think. But I was a part of this Promise Keeper mm. movement, and kind of at its peak, they they did a a pro- whole Promise Keeper day at the mall in Washington D.C. And there was over a million men there, and like every three hundred yards, there's another jumbotron. Another oh jumbotron. my gosh. I got to be on the worship team, and um, I've never—I guess that's the yeah the biggest event I was ever part of. And but they started the whole the whole thing off with an arrangement I wrote of "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God," and mm-hmm. I, I I wrote a chorus to it, and um, that whole thing started with that. And so here I was hearing a million men sing this wow. chorus i wrote in my bedroom you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's and awesome it was really an awesome moment i mean i don't know if that's the most honest one because it was more of just a grateful moment yeah yeah but also some of the greatest worship moments i've had honestly is just been worshiping god with my family and my mm-hmm. house you know that's awesome and it's, it's one of the most beautiful things is to being have been able to lead worship in stadiums and lead worship in my house with my family and right. it's the same presence of God and and they're different but yet it's the it's the same holy spirit. Yeah, know? definitely. What about your least? Oh. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. Man. <laughs> oh boy. Uh I I don't know. I, I have to think about that. <laughs> you want to get I, back to that one? <laughs> I, I just can't really think. I mean, I I want to be honest. There's been some really hard moments yeah. where people are okay. I got I got okay. One. You got I, one of many. Okay, I got one. It just came to me. So I this was this was before I even uh, let's see. Yeah, this is like right after I went to MI. This was back when I was your age. 
And I did this little tour in England. I took this band there. And we just arrived there. Like the next day, we went to this little church, which is our first planned gig. (laughs) And literally, we knocked on the door of like the church office, whatever. And the pastor's wife answered the door. And we were like, hi, we're Tommy Walker Band. And I kid you not, I don't exaggerate. The pastor's wife says, we were praying you wouldn't come. (laughs) (laughs) Because... We're not ready for you, but if you want to, we made some flyers, and you guys can go pass out your own flyers oh my at goodness. the public school because there's a high school getting out in a few minutes, and we're like, okay. <laughs> so then, so then I, I we're like, well, okay, we'll go. So I'm I'm on this corner of this high school passing out my own flyer. Oh my goodness! And then this one this one girl's like, Tommy Walker, who's who the blankety blank is Tommy Walker. I'm like, uh, it's me. And she crumbled it up and threw it at me and oh, walked out. Wow. And then we did it that this thing, this con- kind of worship concert that night for, yeah. for their church of twenty people and they were all like just hating it. So I think that'll work. Okay. That, that that's great. And this was in you said in London? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was rough. Okay, so what about, I know you just mentioned about finishing songs. Um, How many songs have you not finished? (laughs) Man, you guys, I I never never thought of that. I've not finished a lot. (sighs) You know, I've probably not finished as many as I finished, but I've finished a lot. and And I keep going. I do make myself go back but the interesting thing about songwriting is when you're you're starting a song you kind of have to make this decision in in the midst of it like is this worth really working on yeah maybe it's not let's leave this one alone and just let it die and some of them need to let die but i would say to writers younger writers and or or older writers that are just starting their writing you you need to err on always finish because people, songwriters get really good at being inspired and starting and they practice that process of it. Maybe they practicing the middle part of it, but they never practice getting good at the finishing part. It's kind of like a painting and knowing when am I done? Should I do the last stroke now? (laughs) You got to practice that just like practicing drums or anything else, each process of it. And, and uh, and mark it up if the song's a super mediocre song, just mark it down as I'm growing as a songwriter and growing is finishing. So, so yeah, I've I, I you know, and I've also been lazy too, just like everybody else. Mm. But, okay, but I I um, which makes me think of something else. I I think the it's interesting in this this uh, this age we're in, like doing a podcast right now, mm-hmm. like. Like if it wasn't 2018, Sir Kevin says, is that what it is? Yeah, Sir Kevin, Sir Kevin, Sir Kevin says, says. Sir yeah. Kevin wouldn't have a Sir Kevin Says <laughs> yeah. program because yeah. yeah. you're not on CBS or yeah. NBC or whatever. But now you can. And now you can have your own YouTube channel. And if you want to do a drum line or mm-hmm. drum solos or whatever you want your channel to be or you want to tell jokes or you want to <laughs> be a songwriter like I'm doing, you have a, an outlet, yeah. which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so I I think there's less excuse than ever to like, look, if you want to write songs, write songs and video them and put them up. And yeah. 
And if you're whatever you're doing it for, um, for me, I, I want to do everything I do for the glory of God. I want it to matter yep. for eternity. And so to think that somebody, that God can touch somebody through one of my songs, um, and and the possibility is there because somebody in Bangladesh or wow. or Israel or England or wherever in the world can see it and yeah. hear it, yeah. you know, is amazing to me. Yeah. And, you know, you can't get into comparing like, yeah, but he has millions of views. Don't, don't go there. That's really bad. Yeah. Just like, I'm going to do my thing. And I just think it's awesome. I think it's awesome you're doing this. Like, you, you know, you might not have billions of views, but whatever you have, people are going to be touched by it. It's yeah. great. So get out there, write, and post your songs, and go for it, and be disciplined, and keep them coming. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Along the lines of, of writing songs, what, what do you think is the most important part when recording them? So you're talking of... In preparation for a recording? Yes. Preparation? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you got to like just totally have the song super known up and down. And But some people aren't really great musicians that are great writers, and so they they would hire somebody to and have rehearsed with them before. Right. But I think it brings up a, a more interesting question of, uh, in 2016, I did a, a, a series of songs called Song of the Week, and... For the sake of being able to afford to post all those songs, I did simple acoustic versions. Yeah, of I remember them. that. I remember that. But I made sure that they were the quality, the recording quality was good. But then I made sure it wasn't big, huge, full band arrangements because I couldn't afford to pay people and yeah. do all that. And especially for songwriters, as, as long as the singer is is good and it's recorded well and played well, you can make it really simple and it'll still be great. So you don't have to always have a huge, you know, killer big band or something to, yeah, yeah. to do a song. You know? Do you think it's important to be surrounded by great musicians when you're, you know, like, like when you're doing a tour, you're doing uh, an event at a church, you, you hire different musicians. Some are better than others in, in, in regards to, you know, uh, the level of um, their playing. How do you handle, like, do you purposely bring in musicians that are better than others to try and kind of say, this is the level that you might want to be at, and these are the people that you want to be surrounded by? Do you think it's important to be surrounded by great musicians in that well, way? Well, of course. I mean, it's, it's kind of different. At Christian Assembly, we everyone's a volunteer. We don't pay our musicians, so... So we'll have, you know, it's just a unique to hear. We'll have some of the greatest musicians yeah. in the world sitting yeah. next to very some average volunteers, and so they're they're benefiting by playing with these great people. But it's it's a family, you know, and we're volunteering and everything. Yeah. If I go out, you know, I'm going to hire Kevin Chong and all the great all the greats, and <laughs> I'm going to but I'm going to hire the best people I can find uh, because it's. Because I can, and because I want it to be as great as yeah. possible. Yeah. What about today's music? How? What do you think about that? Like um, the albums that are coming out, without naming any Christian, you know, uh, uh, artists or any worship albums. What do you think about today's music? Is it different than how you would approach putting out an album, or do you think there, there's something lacking in what they're putting out? Are you speaking of all genres? Or Christian what? albums specifically. Uh, Christian albums. Yeah, well, Christian worship music. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, there's a lot of it I really like. 
the only thing I I would critique is that it's become the what it is has become so narrow. Like like if if it's not four chords with four on the floor, then it then people kind of think, well, it's not worship. Mm. And I think that um, that God as the Creator obviously likes diversity. I mean, yeah. just look how different we look. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention our crew. Yeah. <laughs> we got Alex Maldonado yeah. handling the cameras. So. Yeah. Well, and all the, wasn't it like 25 crewmen over there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Here I forgot at, about it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the diversity in creation and the, the wonder and beauty of it all. I just think that they're... Um, there could just be more diversity of styles represented. And, um, and I wish that, that it seems like as the world is beginning, getting smaller because of social media and stuff mm-hmm. like that, even in other nations, like it's all sounding more the same everywhere. Yeah. And I don't know why, but for some reason in the book of revelation, the, the nations are mentioned like it says that the nations will gather around God's throne. God's throne, so He must want nations, mm. which means to me, He He must like the differences in cultures and expressions. And so I wish it was more like, man, let's go to Brazil and see how way different worship sounds there. Yeah. And I know it does yeah. to an extent, but it would be. I think the Bride of Christ would be even more beautiful if it was more different everywhere. Yeah. And if people would have the courage to, to play a shuffle worship yeah. song, yeah. And, but they won't because it seems to be so narrow. So it's just the, it's, I wish it was more eclectic. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's talk a little bit about your process in writing a song. I, I, um, when you do that, where do you draw your inspiration from? I, I, I know that you, uh, I mean, I hope this is a case for every worship leader that they draw inspiration from Scripture. You know, that's one of the things for sure. How do you go about that, about yeah. doing that? Well, first off, I, I love, I really prioritize writing from Scripture. If I, if I can be quoting at somewhere in there directly a Scripture or very obviously referring yeah. to a Scripture, I feel like the song becomes more timeless. And, um, and it's just better to be, who cares about my opinion? You know, if I, I can... I can get the eternal word of God that'll stand in the heavens mm. forever yeah. in my song. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a yeah. good idea, <laughs> you know. But musically, uh, p- part of my inspiration is okay. The last song I wrote was a ballad. It was this kind of thing and this kind of key. I I need to challenge myself. I need to do something that I didn't do before. And just having written a lot, I like to keep challenging myself to. And I've never really written that many reggae worship tunes. Let's try it, you know. And yeah. it keeps keeps it fresh. You know? So you constantly you never want to stick to one specific type of rhythm, right? You always try and which which is great because yeah. a lot of the stuff you put out, it's yeah. not just one thing, which is awesome. You know, you have yeah. some shuffle songs. One of my favorite songs you you've written is uh, "Make It Glorious," which is yeah. just you know straight two and four, but it's a really cool bass line. Uh, who's playing bass on that song? Uh, Jerry Watts. Jerry, oh yeah. my gosh. Well, um, along the lines of uh, uh, one of my favorite songs too is is uh, "Morning into Dancing." Okay, now my question about that song is the line specifically. The dun, 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 dun. how did you come up with that line? 
because there's some Latin feel to that, and, yeah. and you know. So where did how did I don't know. I, I, I will admit this: the 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 baseline. This is a confession. Like I was watching a a car commercial, <laughs> and it was you know a ranchero car or something. I don't know whatever, and it was like. It was like the music in this commercial was really cool, this Latin music. And I had the thought from Psalms 30 that says, he's turned my morning into dancing. And I'd heard a Christian song from that psalm, and the song was really sad and slow. And I was like, why would you listen to what the Bible is saying? It's like God is the one that's turning all the sadness into joy. Why wouldn't you write a happy song? That's funny. So, So then... When I heard that groove, I thought, I'm going to write, a f- what's more danceable than Latin music, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to write that scripture text to a Latin song. And then I heard that. I was like, I'm going to steal that somewhere. By the way, you know, stealing, <laughs> we all steal. But as far as that line, bah, 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 I don't. I have no idea how I came up with it. It just, just worked. Appeared, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, I I think uh, what was it? It was with oh, it was actually with Abraham this past week because we were talking about that song specifically. He's mentioned something about how when you were coming up with the line, I think he changed something, uh, like on the fret or like the way he played it was a little different. I I I don't remember exactly what. I think Alex, do you remember that? No, I, I'm trying to remember. It was something about um, the line that you came up with, and he changed a note or something like that. Did he well, do something I, like that, that? when? Part of the story of that song is, uh, I don't know if anybody, well, I, I was playing the song in, in my church when when him and producer, great producer Tom Brooks showed up. Oh, okay. Like, Th- that's a story I think he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, weeks before uh, they recorded it for Ron Cannoli, <laughs> and they said, hey, can we do this song? I was like, sure. So, so when they recorded it, they changed the groove a little, and they there was a couple of pushes that they changed yeah. and added a chord and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's what he mentioned. Okay, maybe but. it was that. Yeah, maybe that's what he was talking about. We were in uh, in Korea in 2014. We were doing a tour out there, and I remember uh, I posted. Actually, no, I didn't post. There was somebody that tagged or hashtag Tommy Walker South Korea tours, um, and uh, specifically they put of morning into dancing. They said, "Man, this is such a fresh song." <laughs> I, I, do you remember when I was telling you that? And I said, Tommy, check this comment out. It, they literally put, this is such a fresh song, not knowing this song was written the year I was born, 90, 91, yeah. right? Yeah. 91. So I thought that was that was pretty funny. It's still a great song. I, I love it, especially because, you know, the drums get a little bit of action in there, yeah. you know? <laughs> that's the other thing yeah. that's great about being more eclectic, right? And I worship. Have some drum solos yeah, up yeah. in here. Yeah. No, that's always cool. If there was percussion too, man, percussion. Yeah. We did it from our recital, which was yeah. which was great. Um, Tommy, uh, what about not getting burnt out? Mm. Great question. I actually have like a like a ten point little talk I do about that um, because as a worship leader, you're, you're on every week or two times a week, and it's very hard, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to bore you with the whole thing, but one of the really key things is to make sure you're not up there providing a, a worship set for the church. You have to learn. You you have to. It's very obvious, but you have to worship 
God, because then it's feeding your own soul and you're being energized. You're you're saying, God, bless me so I can be a blessing. I have nothing within me that's good. And um, so it's the two main things is, is make sure you're not just providing worship, but you're worshiping. And then contend to believe that God is using you. Because like for you, when you play these churches and you're playing drums, if you can, if you can have this sense, like, wow, I think, I think God, I think the eternal God of heaven is actually using my life right now. Yeah, man, we'll yeah. go through a lot. We'll go through anything mm-hmm. to do that. But if we doubt, we think I'm not making a difference. Everything I'm doing mm-hmm. is dumb, and and the enemy lies to us that way. So, so contending to believe that the presence of God is being ushered in. Lives are being changed and touched. If I can believe that, then I can keep going. Yeah, so yeah. Be my two main things. That's good. That's really good. That's really good. Um, what do you? I guess this is more of a personal question, and I ask this to Abraham as well. What do you look for in a drummer? Hmm. <laughs> I know a good joke. <laughs> so many drummers, so little time. Yeah, <laughs> I think Abraham said that exactly. You're kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I heard another one. the The bad things, the bad thing about drummers is they always hang out with musicians. (laughs) Oh my gosh! No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, it's obviously having great time. Um, you know, a lot of times we play the click these days. But but if you're like me, and you want to be spontaneous and go into something unplanned. Mm Which is kind of from more gospely jazz roots, yeah. then then you can't always jump on the click. You got to be able to go and bring it and, exactly. And just having a deep, great pocket, which I think you have, I really love. And but but something else to bring up is some drummers, they they're not. I guess they're not listening or what. But they're like, you know. 99% of the time, you ha- music today is in eight-bar phrases. Right, right, right. But you'll be like drummers, man. They're just like, why are you playing through the eight-bar phrase? You know, we just finished the verse. Are you unaware? <laughs> we just went to a new section, and you're just like, hello. Yeah. You know? But it speaks to being musical and really being sensitive to what's going on. And, and that's another thing for me is, is I like to try to, really feel the moment and what's needed in the moment. And so I might need you to play softer than we did in the rehearsal. Yeah. And I may I might start talking or something and I need you to like bring it down. Yeah. And and I like that too because it makes my whole team be alert instead of just like, hey, the code is right here. Don't, you know, don't talk to me because lunch is in two hours. Like they're just kind of playing through a chart. So and and then coming up with um Musical ideas. I grew up playing in garage bands where, you know, I'd write a song and we'd all arrange it together as a band. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like to let the players speak into to the arrangements and like, you know, you you might be like, hey, what if we go double time right here? It's like, hey, yeah, cool. Yeah. You know, so I like drummers that are that think more like producers than Got just it. drummers. I yeah. think that and just having a great deep pocket, you know. Yeah. And you think, I'm assuming, you know, you, you think percussion is really important to you. I mean, we have a little weedle yeah. and uh, and a tambourine. Actually, I, I, is, is that actually a weedle? I'm not, I'm not sure. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But, I don't know, but I'm going to make you play it. Yeah. We're going to see. I think it is. I always called it a fish, but I'm a guitar player. So. <laughs> 
well, Tommy, do you have any last words of advice or, or anything you'd like to add today to you know those that are going to be listening? Um, I just um, uh, may, maybe a thought is because I think you're probably going to have all kinds of musicians, mm-hmm. especially listening in and and um, just to make your God gave you a gift. Ultimately, He gave it to you, and He gave it to you for a higher purpose than just making yourself famous. Mm. And fame is such a fleeting thing. And if you don't have it, you want it. And then if you get it, then you're afraid you're going to lose it. And Mm. then you will lose it. And then you're sad that you lost it. And that's why we're created, really created for a greater good and for God's glory. And God gave you a gift. It sounds very religious and funny, but when when you're really doing it, for his glory, you're really operating out of what how you were designed to operate, kind of like a car was made to be on a highway. Yeah, there's so much joy in it. There's so much less comparing, which is such a drag, and um, and just so much more fulfillment to to know that man, I I'm doing something that actually really matters. So yeah. I think I could leave it at that. That's great. Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate All your right. time, guys. Thank you for checking out Sir Kevin Says Episode Two with Dr. Tommy Walker. Stay tuned for the performance. Thanks for watching episode number two. Have a great week.